you've reached the White Caps London podcast. We're about to begin now. Welcome back to the Whitecaps London podcast. Today is very exciting. I'm going to be speaking to one of our coaches. We're in season three. Uh, I, I, I'm so thankful for all of you listeners uh, that are listening to our amazing podcast. They, it's clearly uh, they're resonating with all of you. You're, uh, you're all enjoying it. And I don't know if you're out for a walk or you're on a treadmill or what you're doing when you're listening to our podcast. But I got to tell you, we're thrilled and we're very thankful. Uh, to all our listeners for getting us to season three and motivating us to to continue this 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 uh, incredible ride that we're on with our Whitecaps London uh, podcast today, we're going to be speaking to one of our coaches and um, this coach of ours. He's come all the way across a big ocean, and he didn't come to work for us, but uh, he is now with us, and I'm thrilled. And we're going to learn more about him today and uh, I'd like to formally introduce uh, coach Adam Stapleton welcome to the podcast thank you Abby thanks for having me it's a, it's a real pleasure to be able to uh, to share this conversation with you yeah well Adam I, I gotta tell you I, when I first saw you uh, in the London area I was like that guy needs to be with us that <laughs> guy is a great just your demeanor your everything but look before we get into all that kind of awesomeness about Adam. Why don't we uh, learn a little bit about Adam. Adam, tell the listeners a little bit about you, like where you're from, uh, what you're doing, uh, what what your personal status stories are, and, and then we'll start getting into some exciting uh, questioning. Go for it. Sure. Well, firstly, Abby, you're, you're very kind, so I appreciate those sentiments. Um, very nice of you. So yeah, I'm, I'm originally from an this is uh, the sort of joke that I usually use. Uh, I'm from the, the original London, <laughs> the, the bigger one. So I grew up in <laughs> I grew up in North London. So I grew up in Tottenham, which to most people would probably uh, associate that area with, uh, you know, the Premier League football team. Uh, and I grew up on the equivalent, I guess, in Canada of what you would call co-op housing. So I grew up on, in England, we call them council estates. So... You know, I was out from probably five or six, a little concrete playground, me and maybe one of my buddies or my brother kicking a ball and, you know, there's no grass, there's no goal, you know, I'm dribbling around climbing frames or, you know, the goal is like two posts. And so it was a really fun, cool childhood, but very, I guess, very urban, if you will. So uh, that that really started my love of the game was just going outside and using it as a, as a pastime and so easy, right? You didn't need to have, uh, you know, tons of equipment. You could just have a ball. Sometimes it wouldn't even be fully inflated, you know, it'd just be like a spongy <laughs> when it rains as it does often in London, it will become heavier and you'd occasionally take it in the face and you'd, you'd remember it, but you forgive it. Right. <laughs> You know, it's interesting that you say that, um, and we can dive into that in a bit, uh, about structure and unstructured ball and what your take is on it, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, as we continue the conversation, so Adam, when did you uh, basically realize, I mean, did you play the game, or and then when did you realize that you really started to enjoy coaching? Yeah, so I guess I was a late bloomer. I mean, I played at school. I, you know, played for community teams, 
but I didn't actually start my coaching journey until I was 26. So mm. uh, I had a conversation, I think it was with one of my aunts and, and she just says, you know, you love, you love football or soccer. You know, why, why don't you, why don't you coach? Why don't you teach other people? And I, I've never really at that stage considered myself like I was, I was just thought that's something somebody else does, you know? So mm. I, I got into it, but I guess my real driving my real motivation was I wanted to kind of help the kids, kids that were like me, really kids that grew up and, you know, not disadvantaged in, in the sense that they had like hard childhoods, but we, you know, I wasn't going on those holidays or so I, I wanted to kind of connect with those kids over the love of sport and just hopefully inspire them and, you know, make them feel like they can be something more and not, not just the product of that surrounding so for me, yeah, I started out late. Uh, Sorry, Adam, was this back in Tottenham or was yeah, this when yeah, you arrived this, to Canada? Okay. This was Take in North me. London, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so I moved to Canada in 2019, so I'm still still relatively new here. Uh, so I, I started, so essentially I started my, as we call them in England, coaching badges. I did my, my level one, which is, you know, similar to uh, your community stream, I guess, here. Uh, back mm-hmm. in 2010, so just over 10 years ago now, and I started coaching in my local primary school, the one that I actually went to as a kid, um, and mm-hmm. I was just delivering just a handful of sessions, uh, big classes, you know, like 30 odd kids, Victorian playground, uh, and then I just then I got involved with one of my local clubs. I, I started to coach. I believe there were U9 at the time. Did my level two a year afterwards. Uh, and then I realized that I really wanted, I really enjoyed it and I wanted mm. to learn more, but I wanted to learn more from, you know, actual coaches and actual people. So Adam, just one sec. So, mm-hmm. and, so back home at this, at this time, how old are you? Just curious. I would have been 26. Yeah. So at, at 26, are there a lot of, a lot of young coaches in England? I mean, cause, cause, well, I mean, I'm not asking you to speak for the country, but kind mm-hmm. of that area where you are. Do you have a lot of young coaches or are they all kind of starting around that age bracket? Were you a younger guy kind of at the time where everyone was kind of older? Like what was, what was the landscape? Cause the landscape's so different here, right? Yeah. When yeah. it, when it comes to this drive for young coaches, I mean, we try to educate to get these young players mm-hmm. uh, who maybe are losing a little bit of love for the game, but still want to be involved. We push them to coaching or we push them, to becoming match officials or volunteers around the club, yeah. right? Um, yeah. What was that like? Like, were you one of the younger guys, or 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 was it kind of normal? No, I'd say I was I was a little older actually. I, most of the uh, most of the participants on my courses were younger, you know, so they were probably between eighteen and twenty five. So I was coming I was coming in at a bit of a later age, and oh. I guess. Yeah, so I guess uh, I certainly felt like I I was getting into it a little bit late, if you will. I came to the party a little bit later on. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say there was there was far more younger coaches than older ones. Interesting. So, okay. So then uh, what happened? Like, how, how does Adam go from the UK then, like, to Canada? Well, so uh, there's some there's some more to the story in England, but just to answer oh. your question, uh, no, no, my... then let's go back. Let's go okay. back. Okay, awesome. Let's bring it. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So in 2011, I realized that I was really enjoying it. And I started to, it, it kind of went from being something I just did for fun and for recreation to something I was like, I want to learn. I want to, you know, I want to grow my craft. So I had the idea actually to approach Tottenham Hotspur because I knew that they delivered coaching in the community. And it's something that I haven't really seen exist here yet. And I know maybe something like this exists in Edmonton and Vancouver, but in, in Tottenham, so just for context, Tottenham is, or was at the time especially, a very, very disadvantaged and poor economic area. Mm-hmm. So what the club, the club used to run a program and still does called Kicks. And the idea behind Kicks is that it gives kids from similar backgrounds to myself, like co-op housing and council estates, the opportunity to go and play soccer with their friends and, and be coached and have a Tottenham Hotspur coach there kind of mentoring them and guiding them. So essentially I approached the club and I remember it was really cool. Uh, you know, I, I got invited to an interview to be a volunteer. So I'm going into White Hart Lane, into the stadium. I'm a massive fan, by the way. So this is like already right. blowing this my is, mind. Right. This you know, is gold. This, this is, is gold. Like, oh, yeah. you know, even just to, to be invited to that, I was like, well, this is, this is, this is good. Mm-hmm. So what was really cool is I was waiting for my interview Raphael van der Vaart, who was the uh, Tottenham's number 11 at the time, really brilliant Dutch player, played for Real Madrid. I believe he played with Ronaldo there. He was wow. literally just next to me uh, conducting an interview with Dutch television. <laughs> so, so my coordinator or the coordinator at the time that was interviewing me says, you know, you're a fan, right, Adam? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just like thrilled right now to even see this guy next to me. So he says, all right, we'll, we'll give it a minute and, uh, you know, I'll introduce you to Rafa and we'll get a picture. So can you imagine this job interview, Abby, where, you know, there's a Premier League footballer just next, next to me. Right. So uh, Of this level too, right? Oh, uh, World-renowned national just, team player. Yeah. You know, guy, guy had come to Tottenham from Real Madrid, so this guy was like the pinnacle for me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I was offered the role as a volunteer, got my Tottenham Hotspur tracksuit, and I started to I started to put in the hours on the community projects. So I'd go out on Wednesday nights, maybe go at 6 or 7 p.m., and then these projects run for like two or three hours a night. Uh, and then I, I start to, to network and get to know some people in the club. And to cut a long story short, I discovered that Tottenham actually offer a, a degree program because I, I hadn't. I hadn't got a degree at that time. And again, my mindset was a little bit different to how it eventually would come to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I enroll on, on Tottenham Hotspur, the only Premier League football club to offer a degree program. That's not true anymore. And I studied what was called sport and community development. So essentially how sport is used to tackle social issues. Uh, so when I graduated in July of 2015, I was offered a, a full-time role with the Tottenham Hotspur Foundation, which is the club's community arm. I'll stop there if you have any questions. (laughs) No, no, no. Like, no, Adam, this is thrilling. I mean, that is right up my alley. I mean, that, that just sounds, I mean, I would, I would take a pause from my work, fly over there if I could get into that course. Right. So is this something offered to mainly people like yourself from the community, from within the community, or was it open to anyone to apply and kind of try and get in the course or, or get into this program? Was it, or were you literally selected for it from 
you know, hundreds and thousands of applications. Like, how did that work? Yeah, so it was open up to anybody in the UK. And actually, within my cohort, there were people from like Manchester, people from Leeds, uh, people from other parts of London. So Ooh. it was quite a quite a really cool, diverse mix of people just in terms of, you know, their backgrounds and, and their interests. Um, and, and actually, I, again, I was probably the oldest student in the class. And that was kind of a running joke, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, I we're was like, here. Oops. We're here. You would be definitely one of the oldest during the middle. That's for sure. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. So I I graduated in July of 2015, and the foundation offered me a full time job. Uh, so I, I was still coaching in the community, and and then I got a role which was really cool, which was so essentially where the club had built our training ground in an area called Enfield. The club has a mandate by legislation to give community hours back so to give coaching hours to give activity hours back so my role was to actually approach charities and not-for-profit organizations and to create projects in which we could use those hours so for example i might approach a i might approach a charity that works with adults with intellectual disabilities and then i would create maybe a football program and then myself or one of our coaches would go and staff that program. And so that was my role when I when I graduated. I was a, a community mentor. I would go and create these community programs. Um, and it was great because it gave me a platform to, to, to still coach, but also develop some skills, you know, wider skills outside of coaching. So I, I loved it. And obviously, again, my office is in the stadium. You know, I can see the pitch. Uh, on a match day, I'd see the players arrive and, you know, it was, you had to pinch yourself sometimes and rem yeah. remind yourself that, okay, you're an employee now, you're, you're not a friend. Right. <laughs> Are you still living at home at this time? Are you still living at home? Yeah. Can, so, it's okay. You can be honest. Tell them. No, yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> if you know how housing in London, England, uh, it's, it's very much uh, yeah. not, not uncommon. So right. yeah, my, my parents were living in Tottenham, so I loved it. I used to jump on my, my racer bicycle. I used to cycle to, to the stadium. You know, I used to work, cycle back. And so for me, right. it was great. My my whole world was centered around Tottenham. Like, and then again. What an environment to live in. And I bet, I bet your parents were, you know, thinking you were making $2 million a year. But, <laughs> but, but, but big picture, they were probably full of pride, eh? Uh, in the community. Yeah, they were, they were very happy. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I have to mention my older brother because he, he was the driving force for me supporting Spurs. He took me and my sister to a game. We must have been nine or ten back in, I think it was 1994. So it was really cool. Just there was a couple of times when I could invite him in and my nephew did work experience with me there. So it was nice to kind of also give back to the family and, and share that Spurs love that runs through my family. So, well, yeah, it, it mean, was very nice. And look at all. And look at all the changes they've had in the past couple of years. You must be frustrated, right? Because the potential's there. It's just staring at them. And yet, it's just, there's so many changes, right? And there's there's no, what do you think about that? We'll talk about that for two seconds because we've got to learn more about Adam. But we'll <laughs> stick on this Tottenham thing. So, I mean, keep going. Like, so so now at some point you're, you know, how does Canada get involved? How do you How do you swim across the pond? So really cool story. So as I'd mentioned earlier, I was working in a primary school and it was the one that I went to. 
And I was very intrinsically linked to this primary school because my stepfather lived on site with my mum and he was the custodian. And I actually met my wife. She was a Canadian on a working vacation, essentially. So we met through through the school. So I would come and get the class every Thursday. We would I would take them for their PE lesson. And so we just got we got talking and we got to know each other, you know, outside of work. And so yeah, that was that was my kind of bridge to Canada. I started coming here on vacation in twenty fourteen. I'd come twice a year, always spend Christmas here, pray and hope for the snow because we, we don't get that so much in, in England. Mm. Um, now I live here, it's a little bit different. I, I think right. the novelty has worn off somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Unless, you, unless you're a kid, but yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, I met my, my wife, my eventual wife-to-be, um, yeah, working in the school that I went to as a kid. So it was, it was, there was a nice circularity to that, I guess. So I, I always find that kind of cool. That That's why, I, you know. I, I always find those things very interesting. These, uh, these um, you know, faith-based or, or how did that happen or superstitious or whatever, however you want to, you know place yourself it's it's just very interesting how that all works and how you were all you were both there at the right place kind of right time to connect and uh you know bring it together right i mean for sure so why canada why why didn't you end up just staying there if she's there too well i i'd always really you know i fell in love with canada to be honest the first time i came here i just felt i i love the people you know my wife's family were, were magnificent from day one. So I always, I always found myself, you know, I always used, used to say my feet were always stuck in two places, you know? So it was oh. always, <laughs> it was always on the cards. And, and I feel we just agreed that long-term it would be, it would be better for us to, to be based in Canada. Um, I'm going to sound like an old man now, but London, England is, is an amazing fun place. But as you get older, the energy it, it saps you like it's a very very busy place a very you know I, I think as you get older you re, you evaluate and reflect upon what you want and mm-hmm. and our goals really aligned that we wanted to you know probably live in a smaller community and, and be closer to Kathleen's family and and you know in the end of the day it's it's literally a seven seven hour flight back so right and, and it's not bad it's actually a nice flight I've been to Ireland a few times and Really, by the time you sit down, you read your book, you have something to eat, you have a drink, you know, and you're looking at landing, right? Oh, it's great. Uh, it's quicker yeah, it's, on the way back, eh? Like, because of yeah. the stream, yeah, uh, you, you yeah. lose the whole outlet. I'm like, awesome, brilliant. <laughs> I do. I, I mean, it's nothing like when I traveled to Greece. So, uh, oh, yeah, that would be a little longer. <laughs> so, I'm curious, um, Adam, I'm sure our listeners found that incredible. Like, I mean, especially if y'all want to connect with uh, Adam at some point outside this podcast and talk Tottenham, I'm sure that he'd love it. I'm sure oh, yeah. that he'd love it. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so, I mean, basically then, essentially, so you're here. How long, actually, before we go on any, any further, how long have you been with the Whitecaps London program? Yeah, so I think I'm coming up now to uh, two and a half years. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I believe I joined in. It must have been the October of 2020. So, yeah. No, 2019. 2019, right? 2019, sorry. Just, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Just COVID. before. Yeah, 
COVID skews my my mind. <laughs> right. We haven't a uh, trait. We haven't seen the full Adam yet, right? That I've seen. But okay, cool. So, um, what's your favorite part about coaching? Like, what it what is it that really? I mean, COVID's clearly impacted a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 person like they're on field learners. They love to teach on field. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've been forced to, like many organizations and many professionals, to just try and cr- this craft that was a touch craft to go to a virtual craft. I know it's tough, but let's just forget COVID for a minute in the pandemic. Like, yeah. What what keeps you coaching? What do you love about it, Adam? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I also come from an educational background and an instructional design background. And there's, there's, there's clearly parallels for me, at least. But if I use a metaphor, and it's probably a little bit cliche, but if, if, if more of an analogy, I guess, if you look at a conductor and an orchestra, I always find that what I love, and particularly in sessions and also within games, but what really drives me is when you see the players have understood something, they're getting it, and you can see that coming out within the way that they play. So I, I really absolutely love sessions where there's a flow, there's an energy, the players have a smile on their face, there's there's a, an intensity to what they're doing. You can just see that they're having you know, the best possible experience. And I think what I love about coaching is that for me, if, if you think of all the different types of practices you can put on, whether that be your rondos or a finishing pattern or, you know, speed and agility, whatever you might have. I love the fact to me, it's almost like a, you know, it's like ingredients. You can sprinkle and, and put in different things to get different results. So I think there's a real artistry and and creativity to coaching that we, we don't always recognize and I've always loved that. I, I, I think it's almost like a, you know, like an alchemist. Like, all right, what do I need to sprinkle in here to get that? And what do I need to put in there so that the players get this, if that makes sense? So I love, I love putting those kind of equations and pieces together so that essentially, you know, my, my three things as a coach are simple. I want players to achieve autonomy. So I want them to think and play for themselves. I want them to have a sense of relatedness. So, you know, it's it's also a cliche, but I want my players to be better human beings. And I think the last one for me is is mastery. I want them to be as good as they can be with the ball, without the ball. And and really that's what that's what I really enjoy is that never ending process of cultivating those three things and how do I get to that? Adam, I can feel your passion, and I'm sure the listeners could too. I mean, I can, I mean, just the the fact that you know you're you're pointing out so much here, but making them better people, both on the pitch and off, right, is something that I strive for, as a, as someone who's managing and running the club, right? Is absolutely it's, it's as important. It's as important to me. I'm not saying that, you know, we succeed every time. I mean, we've failed, right? Uh, but we've also um, done we've been able to look at situation and go, wow, that's pretty awesome. So this moves me kind of into, you know, and you kind of answered it. I think, well, actually, I think you pretty much did what your proudest moment. Is there something that kind of like after all these years of coaching so far, and it could, didn't have to happen here, 
like with yeah. our club or yeah. it could have happened with your previous club here in London or even back home. But what's like, when I ask you this question, what's kind of like the first thing that comes to your head? What's your proudest moment as a coach? What's something that happened or an event, a player, a, a game, something? What's, what's your proudest moment that, that kind of stands out when I ask that question? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really, really good question. I think firstly, like one of my metrics as well is, you know, I think enjoyment is really, really key. You know, nobody plays soccer to not have fun uh, on in any context, right? Like there has to be some enjoyment, some innate joy in playing the game. So I think for me, I always, I'm always reflecting and firstly looking at, you know, uh, um, am I retaining players? You know, players aren't leaving. And of course, there's lots of reasons why that can happen. But I think I'm I'm really proud when players come up to me and say, hey, um, you know, my friend wants to try out or they I can see them discussing the concepts and things that we've been working on, but away from me. So I think for me, it's there's no kind of one, you know, I'm I don't have like a cup or, you know, a cup final or, or a picture moment. For me, there, there's lots of small little moments and small little games. And I think for me, retention and engagement are, are really key. So I, I really do, I really do love that feeling of of just seeing players turning up early, jogging over, seeing that enthusiasm, and then just mirroring that, right? Like just making sure that mm-hmm. you are also, you're tapping into that energy, you're adding to that energy. So I think for me, it's it's just I'm always happy to see new faces. I'm always happy to hear players because. You know, our athletes must be going and saying good things about the Whitecaps and our programming. I would I really like to believe that, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's a collection of small little moments like that rather than like one big standout coaching moment. Right. Do you find that soccer impacts a lot of your space? Um, because it's not your full-time job with our club, mm-hmm. right? Do you find that it sometimes impacts you and frustrates you? Like, I mean, in a positive, I'm not trying to, you know, get you to say anything like, like, oh yeah, no, no, like, you know, but do you find sometimes it frustrates you or do you just, it is what it is kind of thing? Is there, do you find it impacts some of your time or anything like that? Well, I think the one big difference in Canada, firstly, is geography, right? So, you know, in London, England, you're never going to drive two hours to any game. You, you know, maybe you have like a one-off cup final where you have to do that. So I think the first thing I had to really wrap my head around was that it was completely feasible and normal to drive to, you know, like a GTA, to go to a Mississauga or a Kingston Fair. or an Ottawa, you know, like, and that's the passion and the commitment of the Canadian soccer community. But right. it can be taxing as well because you know, I think coaches, there's a lot of un, unseen work and unseen dedication, you know, and, and same from the parents, to be fair. The parents are sacrificing a lot of time on the road. So I think that was the first thing, not so much a frustration, but something that I had to come to terms with and, and embrace, you know, because mm. just because of the landscape here, right? It's such a huge, huge place. So that was the first thing that was like, oh, wow, that's normal. Like, people do that. They drive <laughs> they drive two, three hours to a game. I know that's, 
you know, for for <laughs> you nine and, and, and you know, right. <laughs> to, give, to give credit to our governing bodies, they identified that a few years back and and did kind of say, hey, you know what? You can have a couple memorable travel trips and what have you. But let's let's be reasonable here. Like they're 10 year olds, 11 year olds, 12 year olds. Do you really need to travel three hours yeah. for one game? Right. Um, you know why? Just they just they don't care where they play. They just want to play. Right. Absolutely. And, it, and um, so, look, Adam, I, I'm sure that you and I could chat for probably <laughs> two hours. But um, at this point, I just I do have a couple more questions, sure. but I I I can't exclude rapid fire. I love doing this rapid fire. Here. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm extremely enjoying this podcast and I am sure Thank that you. our listeners are, too. I um, it almost we almost need a podcast purely and solely on your Tottenham <laughs> years <laughs> and then and then a separate part three on just your white cap years. Right. Um, and where you see yourself now, where you see yourself going. But here, rapid fire. Sure. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's are, you, do it. are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So this is where I ask you a couple of questions. All right. I ask you a question, give you two options, and then you just pick real quick. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So let's start with coffee or tea. Oh, coffee. 100%. Okay. Didn't I expect that, did you? You didn't expect no, that. No, I lost the bet. I lost the bet. Let's just be real clear. Okay. Abby, focus. Abby, focus. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Chippies. Okay, so plain or ripple? Ripple. Wow. Okay, country or hip hop? Now Moda might go country. <laughs> oh, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke. Okay, this is this one here. I'm kind of. I just don't know which way you're gonna go. Morning <laughs> or night person? Morning. Morning. Absolutely. I'm very surprised. Tennis or golf? Tennis. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate. Interesting. I lost two. Okay, <laughs> last one. Last one. Last one. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So I love doing those. I love doing rapid fire. I am completely, completely shocked about the coffee or tea. Um, I know, right? I get that yeah. a lot. You just throw me, is there coffee in England? Just kidding. So <laughs> here we go. Um I, I like ending the podcast with um, with this one question. It, it, essentially, I'm asking for a takeaway mm-hmm. and something that you can share on any part of your life. It doesn't need to be soccer related at all. It just needs to be. I'm just looking for something that you know comes from Adam to kind of share with the listeners. Hey, what is your takeaway? Like, for example, what suggestion or something that you can suggest to everyone? you know, that they, they can focus on, or is it something about sport? Well, so far at this point in Adam's life at this time on, well, I can't share the date yet, but <laughs> right now, what's something you can share with us that we can all take away from Adam Stapleton? Well, so a little fact, uh, I used to have really chronic asthma as a child, you know, like I, it was the early nineties and I had almost like a briefcase that gave me oxygen I guess it was a ventilator uh and then when I was six I actually had such a bad asthma attack that I was clinically dead for like two minutes so so Mm. my mother tells me so um you know not to be cheesy or corny but I just try and appreciate things because you just never know when something can be taken away from you 
and you no longer can access it. So I think all I would say, especially to our younger athletes and especially living through this pandemic, just try and look around and appreciate what you have in this particular moment. Know that things do change. They do get better. And and just just tell yourself maybe one or two things that you're thankful for every day. So it could be a friend. It could be a parent. could be a coach. could just be even your pet, dog, or, you know, your soccer ball, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Always remind yourself of the things that you have and, and just try to be grateful for them. And I think you'll feel better automatically. That That would be my little takeaway or my little philosophy for what it's worth. I mean, that's great advice, Adam. It's been, uh, you know, my hour, I shouldn't say mine, but our biggest uh, opportunity uh, that I see as adults is how we lead this next generation of kids. Um, And, you know, that mental health moment, we had mental health. We were identifying mental health issues. Bell, Mm -hmm. Let's Talk Day had been doing a really great job building that momentum. I just feel that, uh, or maybe it's become, I've become more aware of it, but this mental health um, has really challenged a lot of young kids in this pandemic. And, and uh, that is great advice. I mean, if there is anybody listening that, um, you know, really needs to hear that it can be simple, but it can be very complicated. But if you can just somehow get outside and, breathe and take a walk in a in one of them beautiful hiking trails or or in a in a in a in a forest or something like that you know it it can help change that perspective maybe not quickly but it can and i really love that uh adam that you shared something like that especially something so personal to bring it to public right thank you yeah i mean wow what a what a story you know and (laughs) I, I, again, Adam, I, I want to, on behalf of the Whitecaps London Soccer Club, I'd like to thank you uh, for, for, for spending this time on our podcast. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a part two, a part two coming in season yeah, four. We'll, we'll whenever you like. We're... Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. happy. So before we say goodbye, anything else you'd like to share or any, anything else before we say goodbye and uh, carry on? No, I just want to thank firstly you for the opportunity to have the conversation and to the listeners, whatever you may well be doing. Um, I am active on social media. I can't remember my handle, but you'll probably see me pop up in one of the Whitecaps London's posts. Um, and yeah, just say hello. Don't be afraid to reach out to me if, if you need you know, to talk or if you need any advice. You know, we're, we're all here to support one another. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. And you, Coach Adam Stapleton with Whitecaps London, thank you so much and have a super night. Thank you, Abby. Goodbye. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. A great story. Another inspiring moment listening to Adam Stapleton tell us about his road to Canada all the way from Tottenham. Thank you, Adam, for sharing your story with us. And as always, listeners please please share our stories share our podcast and tell everyone about it thank you until next time